Hello and welcome to another edition of Truth and Rhythm, brought to you by Funkinsliff.net. This is the interview show that gets deep in the pocket with contemporary music's foremost masters of the groove. I'm your host, Scott Dr. Jake Skolfine, musicologist and author of Everything's on the One, the first guy to funk. If you don't have your copy, get on over to Amazon and pick one up. You'll be so glad you did. Whether you're watching the video version of this at Funkinstuff.net or on YouTube or listening to the audio-only podcast version from providers like iTunes and Spotify. As always, I thank you so much for your continued interest and support in the show. Speaking of which, if you haven't already done so, subscribe to the Funkin' Stuff channel on YouTube. That's where Truth and Rhythm lives. All kinds of goodies you'll get uh, early premieres, and it's all free, so make sure you sign up. Tell a friend, tell family. Also get your official Truth and Rhythm and Funkin' Stuff gear at the FunkinStuff.net store. Cool stuff like I'm wearing right here, Truth and Rhythm shirts, Show your support and love of the show and also the musicians and the music that they represent. Um, also want to give a shout out to the Funk Exhibition Center and Hall of Fame in Dayton, Ohio, of which I'm very proud to be an official Funk Ambassador. Go to thefunkcenter.org to learn more and keep the funk alive. And now, with all that, it's time to get on with the show. Enjoy. I'm delighted to welcome to the Truth and Rhythm Mothership R&B, funk, and hip-hop vocalist Val Young. Having worked with George Clinton and Roy Ayers, she spent several years during the 1980s recording and performing with the Gap Band. During the latter part of that decade, she connected with Rick James and released two solo albums. For the past three decades, Young has kept very busy backing artists such as Bobby Walmack, Tina Marie, Dr. Dre, Evelyn Champagne King, Snoop Dogg, Gerald LeVert, Tupac, El Debar, Charlie Wilson, Teddy Riley, and many others. Most recently, she's been involved in a revival of the Mary Jane Girls. Val, welcome to the show. How are you? I am good. I like that intro. Really, really, really nice. <laughs> I aim to please. <laughs> I aim to please. But, but You're doing it, but, a great job already. Well, thanks. It helps when you've had such an illustrious you know, career to, to summarize. Thank you. Yeah, so where are you coming to us from today? I'm at home in Los Angeles, which is Sherman Oaks, California. I'm at home. San Fernando Chilling Valley. with this pandemic, yes. Yeah, I know it well. I'm I, at home. I, I grew up as a kid there through fourth grade and then... Oh, really? Lived on the... Uh, uh, went to Santa Monica for middle school and high school, yeah. Oh, okay, so you know about out here. Yes, I'm at home, just chilling, um, praying every day and wanting, wanting this pandemic to go away. I'm praying every day and just trying to live a normal life doing what we do. 
Only thing I missed the road. So I'm working on other new material, which I have new recordings, but I'm getting ready to work on more. And waiting for the new year 2021 to pop in to be better. Yeah, yeah, sure hope so. But you know, uh, but glad to see you're you're doing relatively well and uh, thank that you. you're able to uh, join me on the show. So uh, yes, I wouldn't have missed it for anything. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's jump right in and, and talk about how you got started and, and how you got to where you are today. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm from Detroit, Michigan. I was born and raised in Detroit. And in 1978, was it 78, 77, 77, flashlight was out. Way back at the end of the 70s, I think it was between 76, 77. Yeah, it was. And I met P-Funk. There was a friend of mine, and he asked me to go with him to Toledo, Ohio, to go see P-Funk. And I was like, do I want to go see P-Funk? Yes. I wanted to meet George Clinton. And I went to the show, and I was singing around, because I was known singing around in Detroit. Me, Rose, and Vanessa, we were the three shades of black. And... Um, I was singing around Emerald Lounge. I knew the floaters. I was just singing around. Everyone knew me for singing at the bars and singing around, hanging, just singing out the window. I've been singing from church, on my streets where I grew up, all my friends in school. Everyone knew that Val could sing. And instead of playing outside, I had, back then, we said record player, a little box when the clothes, or stereo. And I was constantly into my music of my arts and craft of what I wanted to do. So after I went to the show and I met George Clinton, I came back and I started hanging out with them. I did the audition with them. I was so young, they were going overseas, I couldn't go. You know, because I was much younger, I didn't have passport I didn't have none of that so they went over but Lynn Mabry and Don Silver from Brides of Funkenstein I had got hired when I was so young and later on I started working with P-Funk I went out and did dates went on the road with P-Funk and then after then after then from the P-Funk I went to Memphis Tennessee and I met the Gap Band and Rick James. Well, how, how, I got hired. How, how did you actually meet George Clinton, though? Do you remember the introduction, or did you just go wait backstage, or what, what happened? I went backstage. A friend of mine took me backstage, and he introduced me to them. Yeah, he introduced me to them, and I was like, Dr. Funkenstein. And I had, oh, I was just smiling all in the inside. I was just smiling. And I started dressing like a Funkadelic. I started dressing and my family was like, oh look, because I was true P-Funk. I was true to the game. <laughs> and it's been the most joyful thing that happened to me 
because George and I were still close right to this day. We open up for him. We do shows. I talked to George. George called me on my birthday. I talked to George the other day. I'm in Carline, so it's it's been a family, forever lasting relationship. His yeah. daughter, his children, everyone. He's phenomenal. I mean, he was just uh, on on uh, Steve Kober with uh, Public Enemy a few days ago. Yeah, he just did Public Enemy video. Yeah. Very yeah, they cool. just did a song together, so that worked out. That's when I talked to George. When you met. George and some of the other band members and, and even Don and Lynn and you know what were they like you know personality wise and and what was it like to be so close to that musical you know just dynamo oh it was like a dream come true to be listening to flashlight and the mothership connection and then being able to meet these people and work with them later on was just a dream come true. And and so and then you you met the Gap Band. Did did you do something with Roy Ayers also, or was that? Yes, I worked with Roy. I sure did. I worked with Roy Ayers. Oh, did I love Roy Ayers? Just working with him, being around Roy was. I love Roy right to this day. And it's so funny, I'm going to reach out to Roy because I'm writing my book, A Story to Tell. And Roy is in the book, but the times, Roy, myself, and Rick, and everyone, uh, I'm going to reach out to Roy Ayers. How great is it that, that Roy and George and Charlie are all still with us and all still doing music? Still doing music. Isn't that wonderful? Awesome. Still looking amazing. Yeah. God is a gracious, good God. So, you know, Roy, very different from a George Clinton, you know, I mean, uh, a lot more laid back, I would think, and, and musically just, you know, more jazzy and stuff like that. So was it challenging for you to transition from, you know, hardcore funk to more jazzy kind of material? No. I don't have a problem with any music, jazz, gospel, R&B, funk, hip-hop, rap. I can just get in where I fit in. Mm -hmm. And I, I could say that I'm blessed. I like all music. I love country music. I love it all. Who, who were some of your other uh, heroes singing-wise when you were growing up? Oh, my God. Gladys Knight. Ruth Franklin, Shaka Khan, which was a friend of mine, Natalie Cole, friend of mine, Donnie Hathaway, Stevie Wonder, friend of mine. Those were my biggest influences. I used to listen to their music all the time, and I still do. I love them all. Those are some great... <laughs> Just a half dozen great or so of the time. best of all time right there. Yes. Yeah. I play them all the time at home, the Temptations. Oh, but Gladys, oh, my goodness. I just love Miss Gladys. She's my all-time favorite of all 
times Miss Gladys Knight. And Rick surprised me, and I went to her show at Universal City Walk when he still had it, and I was just so amazed to go see Gladys. I was like shaking on the inside. Then we were on the, was it the Soul Train Cruise? I believe it was in the cruise, and Gladys was on there. And I got a chance to speak to her again and talk. And I was just so, feeling so much joy on the inside. Then my friend Glodie White from Love Unlimited, Barry White's uh, wife, widow, she surprised me, and Gladys last year was at the Hollywood Bowl, and she said, "I have some, um, I have something for you. You know, I have your birthday present." It was after my birthday, and I was like, "Okay." She said, "Get ready," and I got ready. She took me to the Hollywood Bowl. We had box seats to go see Gladys Knight. Oh my God, Scott! I didn't know what to do, but just. And from the time we got there to the Hollywood Bowl, the time I left, my mouth was just open for watching everything of Gladys on stage, how she sang, how she talks. Just, I love Gladys Knight. She, she, she's such a talent, but also carries herself with such elegance. Yes, she does. Yes, she does. She's one, one immaculate woman that I like to pattern myself after and looking at her vocally uh, the entertainment part of her everything that she's done in this business films everything and she still looks amazing and she still sounds amazing right to this day absolutely she did the yeah. national anthem uh, not long ago at was it the Super Bowl or one of those big games she did so did she sing that a lot and um, and then she recently did that uh, Instagram battle with Patti LaBelle, so she's still fighting. See, I didn't see that. <laughs> I missed that. How was it? Yeah, she. Well, you know, if if I'm comparing the two, I'm definitely more of a Gladys than a Patti LaBelle fan. I totally respect Patti too, but definitely lean more towards Gladys. And she. See, she I did. go back with the old Gladys Knight in the Pips. Mm -hmm. I can sing. I, I go back with Gladys Knight and the Pips, and yeah. then when Gladys went solo. So I know all of the old songs of Gladys Knight and the Pips, all of everything. Cool. Well, mm -hmm. let's, let's talk more about Val. So you got with uh, uh, the Gap Band. And, you know, how, how mm -hmm. did you, did you have to audition for that too, or how did you get that, that job? Well, I would know. I didn't have to audition. I was around um, Robert, Charlie, and Ronnie. We had gotten close, and I moved out to Los Angeles from Detroit, and I just started singing around, and they decided to take females out singing background. And I was one of the females, the Gap X. That's me singing on Outstanding, Oops Upside Your Head, Party Train, all the Gap Band hits, early in the morning, everything, that's me. Wow. 
And was Don was part of that too? Don came in later to work with us. Um, she came in later to work with us. She didn't start out with us right away. Mm. And she came in later uh, to work with us. But Don wasn't on a lot of the Gap Band hits. That was me, Maxine, Julia Waters, Sheila Horn sung on Outstanding with me. Rudy Taylor and other people in the band, but Don didn't sing on a lot of the Gap Band hits at all, no. Who, who did most of the vocal arrangements? Charlie Wilson, Lonnie Simmons, of course, was who owned Total Experience and the company Lonnie was in there working with us. But Charlie Wilson, Ronnie Wilson, Robert, all of them did. The Gap Band, we all put in the work. But you know, Charlie is Charlie. Look at him now. Yeah, he's one of mm -hmm. the all-time great soul front, front men, for sure. Um, yes, yes. Um, so what was it like on the road, though, with those guys? It was so much fun. Learning the experience of um, working with the three brothers, knowing how talented they are and what their job is because they play different instruments and they grew up in church. I come from church and it was wonderful working with the Gabby and I miss those days. I mean, they were just definitely one of the most successful funk R&B acts of the entire first half of the 80s. They just had hit after hit, you know, they kept hit coming. after hit. Yeah. And that was me on all those hits. <laughs> <laughs> and I was a DJ, you know, throughout the 80s. So, I mean, I just played those wow. so much. All the long versions, you know, the 12-minute versions of Drop the Bomb and all that stuff. So, yeah. yeah. Where were you at? Uh, Where were you? Los Angeles. So, I, I worked at a, a club called Radio, which was, uh, no, I'm, well, it was called the Radio Club when Ice-T was working there. When I did, it was called the TV Club. And then also oh, really? um, a place called the Ore House in San, uh, Santa Monica. And then okay. I ran a mobile disc jockey company and did all the stuff. So That is wonderful. Yeah. So through 1995. Well, you're not looking bad yourself, Scott. <laughs> you're doing all right. And you're still standing. Look at you. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to give back what I can to the music I love so much and it's meant so much to me throughout That's my so life. Wonderful. Yeah. We thank you very much. I thank you. So, uh, with the Gap Band, you must have been on bills with just about everybody during that time. So, was there anyone everybody. that you, you heard or met that really jumped out to you during all those, you know, bills and tours? We were on tour and we worked and we worked and we worked. I have been truly blessed to be out on tour, opening, working, seeing, being around, having fun of everyone. Everyone uh, has been a truly a blessing. And being out with the gap, because people were coming to see, we was putting it down like that. We was dropping a bomb on them. <laughs> so, and we worked, people open up, we open up, then headline, 
the guest act. So I really have the honor of just opening up my eyes to everyone, being able to see everyone. You guys must if have they wasn't if they wasn't backstage, they were sitting in the audience. Yeah, you must have been played with Cameo and Roger and and Confunction. Oh, no, no doubt. Barcade. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. All that. Yeah. And and Rick James, was he on any of the Gap Band? Gap Band opened up for Rick James. Okay. Gap Band. I met Charlie Wilson and Rick James at the same time in Memphis, Tennessee. I went to the show and I met both of them. I became friends very close with both of them. Started singing with the Gap Band. After I started singing with the Gap Band, I left and went to Buffalo, New York, started singing with Rick James. And from there was history. <laughs> Were you singing with Rick before uh, your sol first solo record? Yes. I was Mary Jane Band, which first Rick had the Color Girls, then he had Mary Jane Band, then he had Mary Jane Girls. So I started singing with Rick in 1981, beginning, and did the Street Songs tour, did everything. Up until Rick expired, I was with Rick James. I would leave, go on tour with someone else will come back. I was always that part of Rick James. I saw those uh, early 80s shows at like the Long Beach Arena and the Forum. Yes. Um, yep. Amazing. Was those shows? Fantastic amazing. shows. I mean, he just was oozing charisma and uh, the band was so tight and they were just Stone City. fantastic shows. Yes. Yes, I miss those. Being out with Rick you had everything. You had the best of everything. Rick didn't want his band somewhere else or his girls, and he stayed somewhere. Because, you know, that's how I was at times. The artists would stay one place, some of them, and your band and your singers be somewhere else. Rick had his people, wherever he was, his people had to be right with him. We ate at the best restaurants. We had the best of rental cars. We had, oh my goodness, Rick gave us the world. Hmm. When you wasn't on tour, you got retainers. If you needed something for Rick, you came and you got it. What, um, what, what stood out to you about Rick, though, as just a as a as a guy and a musician, you know, in those early '80s years? Rick was a perfection. He liked things, he liked, if he tell you to do something one way, that's the way he wanted it. He could write a song, go in there, go in the room, be thinking and come back out, and the song was written. He was, oh, I just loved everything about RJ, I miss him so much. I learned from Rick how to get out here and do what you do. Be focused. Rick always told me, be someone that someone else want to be. Mm -hmm. 
I had the uh, Hughes brothers were on the show a while back, and and they talked about just how amazing Rick's facility was for just having songs come to him, you know, and, and creating those songs. Yeah. Oh, he could create. We could be laughing and talking, and he'll come up and create a song. You know, that's how perfectionist that he was. The best of everything. So you read about a lot of it too in my book, The Story to Tell. The man, the friend, and the boss. Was he, uh, uh, or could he be a tough taskmaster? Oh yes, no doubt. There was times that I could handle him. Because I'm tough. <laughs> no matter what they say, no matter what they do, I still roll with the punches. <laughs> I'm a fighter. When, when he was formulating, putting together the Mary Jane girls, uh, how did it happen that uh, they were who they were and that you went as a solo act? I always wanted to be solo. You know, solo was my thing because I knew I was a lead singer. I knew I was background singer. So when he told me he was putting together girls, he said, I'm going to audition some girls. And I was like, uh, that's not. So he auditioned a lot of girls. Um, Jojo was, of course, the original. She was out of Buffalo, and she was brought in and all. And uh, he did Jojo, was the first girl, to build it around her. Then I, he met Candy, he met Sherry, and he had a girl, Tegan. But Tegan's parents wouldn't let her, because of religion, of wearing certain things and doing how Rick wanted the girls to be dressed. So Candy knew a girl, and that's when she brought her name, Kim, but Rick named her Maxie, hmm. and brought her in. And uh, he formed Mary Jane Girls. And then later on, when Sherry wasn't there, it was Corvette, which Yvette, but Rick said Corvette, and brought them. But I still sung on Mary Jane Girls records. I did the singer, JoJo did the leads, and I did the singer, Maxine and Julia Waters also sung with me on there too. Candy song, Sherry did, but uh, Maxie didn't sing. So you're on things like uh, In My House and I'm on all Candyman. My plaque is up here on the no, I'm not on Candyman. Oh. I'm not on Candyman. That's JoJo. And uh, I'm on Wild and Crazy Love. I'm on All Night Long. In my house. I'm on, no, I'm not all night long. That's Georgia. Okay. That's Maxine and Julia Waters and them was singing on Because doing, when they were doing a lot of recording for that first album, I was out. I was either out on the road or I was working myself. I always keep myself working in the studio, working at home or on the road. I live like a gypsy. I love the road life. I love performing live, watching people expressions, singing to them and seeing the feeling. 
of them watching me, giving me love back, the love that I want to give to them. What What was your uh, perspective on that alleged, like, Rick James, Prince kind of rift and the whole thing with both having girl groups and, you know, seem, and, and the competitive aspect of that? To me, there was no competitive. It was made so to be competitive. But Prince used to open up for us. Prince would open up for it. So how was it competitive, you know, as the business made and people made it? And Rick was older than Prince. Rick was out before Prince. So they made it blow up bigger than it was because I was friends with Prince. And um, I would go to Prince's house. Prince would a, a bowling alley. No, it was skating ring. It was a bowling alley on one side and a skating ring on the other. And we went roller skating at night. It was closed. He would rent that out and go to Prince's house. Prince was a lovable guy. Very sweet to me. When he see me, talk to me, I could go in the dresser. I wouldn't have no problem with Prince. So they made it more into, you know what I mean, into things. Because Prince came out, he watched Rick. Then he came out with a female group, Vanity Six and Apollonia Six. You know, so it was like there was enough room for everyone. Like singers. You got singers like this singer. You got singers like that singer. Like a car. I may like a Benz. You may like a Jaguar. They both ride down the street. Well, anyway, I mean, George Clinton did that before them. And then, you Exactly. Know, Sly Stone. James Brown did know? it. You know? Exactly. Yeah. So... It's enough room for everyone. And everybody pattern and you watch someone else, you know? So what went into putting together your, your first solo record, Seduction? You know, when did you know it was going to happen? And what went into making it reality? Fred Jenkins is a writer. He was a guitar player for the Gap Band. And Fred Jenkins and I used to just write, be on the bus writing, be in the hotel rooms, and we'd be writing songs. And I said I was going to work on my solo, so we started just writing songs. And I would call Rick and tell Rick, Rick, I'm going to bring you songs. Actually, I started also writing songs with Terry Lewis and Jimmy Tam. We're very good friends. And we were writing together as well. So I said, I'm going to take these songs and let Rick hear them because I want to do a solo. And I took the song and let Rick hear, he loved him. And Rick shot my deal. Rick did two songs on me. I had all of the songs written and done. Rick did two songs on me, which was Seduction and Peace of My Heart. All the rest of the songs, Fred Jenkins and Val Young did, with a lot of other writers work with us. And we did, and Rick loved everything that we did. And he took, and he shot, and he got the deal. He came back. He said, well, you got it. I said, I got it. He said, yes, you got it. But let me tell you this a little bit. At first, Rick took me to Arista Records because he had Stone City Band, Mary Jane Girls, over at Motown. 
And I knew what Rick James sound and me recording on Mary Jane Girl's album that it was going to be that sound. We were going to sound alike. And uh, so he took me to Arista and they loved it. But Motown, their first rights or refusal, Rick had a production deal and he had to bring three acts to Motown. So he had Stone City Beauty and Mary Jane Girls, and they heard my material, and they loved it, and they said we wanted her. So I signed with Motown. And we came out, but the sound was alike. You know, that's just like anyone that would work in an organization. That sound is going to sound alike, like when Babyface does songs. Tony Braxton and the song John B and the organization is because of that sound, you know? Yeah. But I was happy. I was thanking God. I said, let's just do this. Let's rock and roll. And it did pretty well. And I just want to mention some of my favorites on there. Um, um, Come Hang Out. Um, the title track and well, the title track and waiting for you definitely, especially had sort of that Rick James flavor. Oh no doubt. Yeah. I called you up on the telephone, but you wasn't there. Oh, I love waiting for you. Yeah, yeah, it's one of my favorites on there. Mind Games had Thank a rock you. edge to it, you know. Yeah. Mind Games, and that was before time, because Mind Games, I love Mind Games right now. <laughs> Don't play those Mind Games on me, if I'm the one that you love, I'm the one you love. <laughs> <laughs> Sounding good. Um, Thank you. You're welcome. What, what were the sessions like? Did the Stone City Band play most of the parts, or other musicians, or... Levi Ruffin worked with us and some Stone City band, yes. Dan Lamel played on the saxophone songs. Uh, different musicians Rick would have come in and play. Yes. Kenny Hawkins. A lot of people come in and play. JoJo sung on Seduction, background. Candy sung on If You Should Ever Be Lonely and other songs on my album. So a lot of us, when you family you work together yes what um who, who decided on the the image you know and the and both covers of both albums are very you know provocative and attention getting and who kind of was behind that oh you know rj rick james the one and only <laughs> yes he decided that he said you're going to be the black Marilyn monroe you remind me and you're a Gemini. So he said, this is what you're going to do. And, and were, I did it. Were you comfortable with that? Very much. Yeah. Very much. He called me pretty black woman. <laughs> yeah, was, I was so happy with that. What was Levi like to work with? I mean, he you know, did so much of the actual music, behind the scenes stuff, you know? I just talked to Levi yesterday, and Levi was hardcore. Levi wanted you to bring it, you know. And but Levi was fantastic. I had a wonderful time working with Levi. 
and we're getting ready to do some other work together now. That's great. I mean, so cool that he's still, I mean, all the Stone City guys are still doing their thing, you know, which is great. Yes, my brothers. Yeah. We're going to all get together. We're going to get together and make some things happen. So surprise, surprise, look for 2021. Future is going to be some great things happening. Did did you go out and um, tour as your yourself, you know, and do those songs or... Yes, I've worked a lot in New York. I worked, um, I went to Miami. Oh, yes, I went out a lot of where I stayed. I was like the queen of New York. I just stayed working New York, New York, New York, New York, New York, all over New York, Connecticut. Uh, Europe loves me. I get messages from people in Australia all over Europe, London, all over, they just love me. And I always answer back. I stay in touch with the people as well, you know? Were, were you satisfied with how the record uh, did, you know, commercially, the first one? I was, I was loving. I, I, I think a lot of things, um, with my knowledge, could have been better, you know what I mean, of things to do. but. I was happy because I got out here. I got known. And then when years later for Mariah Carey, you know, she did my record, If You Should Ever Be Lonely. She did it in Japan and in America here. And I was just so happy and truly blessed. I said, Mariah did me. And then when I met Mariah, we became good friends. And it was a blessing. So. I have no complaints. 